Welcome to Student Radio Maastricht. This is Zaki speaking. I'm here in the studio with Katinka, Elena, and our special guest, Anna, from an organization here in Maastricht. Um, yeah, and the song that you just listened to was Youth Against Fascism by Sonic Youth. Um, and this brings us actually to our topic of the day. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, fascism. It's a really interesting ideology or group of ideologies that has been rising quite recently you know, in the political sphere, you know. Uh, what I find, and the reason why I, I had the idea for the show particularly was that uh, a few weeks ago, back in October actually, uh, on my way to the giant Albert Hein, I saw a sticker advertising national socialism in Maastricht. Mm. Yeah, um, it made me a little bit uh, nervous. So I think after that, I think it was, I thought, you know, I think it, I thought it would be a good idea for us as an organization and as the media to know, that people know exactly that this thing is, that this ideology is rising again, and also just explain to people what it is so that they can help fight it for themselves. Yeah, yeah I think starting there is explaining what it is, because there's so many people I talk to where they have no idea, or myself as well, I'm like, I have an idea, but would I be able to explain it properly? I mean, I never studied in this direction, or, you know, um, I don't know, maybe, let's see. I'm, I'm happy to learn more today. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't studied it specifically. I mean, I'm not a political science student. I am a composer by trade, but um, I, I, it's something that is, that fascinates me just from being in the United States and seeing all of these groups like the KKK and the Proud Boys coming back again. And, you know, I'd, I'd, particularly as a black person, it's just, you know, something that really poses an existential threat, existential threat for me. So I think it's a good idea to stop it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, as an Italian, I can say, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, fascism is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it come back. <laughs> no matter how bad they try, no matter how many times they rename their party. <laughs> Don't let them come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Anna, what's your perspective on the topic, do you think? Um, I mean, I am a political science student, but I am quite sick, so I don't remember a lot that I studied, to be honest. But yeah, the thing with fascism is that indeed um, there's not really one singular uh, kind of, like there's no, no singular definition. You'll see that this has been a discussion not only among scholars what it means, but even among parties what it means. I mean, if you look at the rise of fascism in the Netherlands, they were all fragmented, splintering groups, all arguing against each other what exactly they wanted to do. And uh, I mean, even because you say that you're from Italy, which is, of course, kind of the birthing place of fascism in a way. Yeah. And even then, in the beginning, Mussolini, Mussolini always kind of like kept to the, in the beginning, at least kept to the idea that he was a socialist. Mm -hmm. This was something completely different. Yeah. So, yeah, this is quite a debate, um, not only among people, just in general, not understanding what it is, but even like in scholarly areas people do not have a singular definition some people think that some definitions are too broad some are too narrow so yeah it's kind of hard to find consensus here yeah and i like the fact that you mentioned how mussolini kind of branded himself as a socialist because it's also something that the nazis did it was like nazi was short for national socialism and that's something the united states often see with bernie sanders um people often refer to like saw oh bernie sanders is a socialist and the nazi and the nazis were national socialists so therefore socialism is bad uh what would you say to these people? So um, to begin with, also with like because not uh, not like a national socialism and fascism are not because people kind of use them interchangeably, which is not the reality. I mean, even historically, you can see that Mussolini's fascism and Hitler's national socialism were uh, two different. Um, they were two completely different political ideologies, even if there was quite a lot of overlap between them, or even there was growing overlap between them. Uh, and in some definitions as well of uh, fascism, you will see national socialism included, and in others it's not. So even on that, like it's 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 like a weird gray area of kind of like where is the overlap and where is it not. In general, still to say that like socialism and national socialism is, is the same thing is also completely incorrect, and that's quite born out of ignorance, I would say. Um, and of course, just with the intention to um, how do you say like disparage. Mm. Do you have a Dutch word? Maybe <laughs> Zwartmaken. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good one to translate. Oh yeah, I mean, directly translated, it would be like to make black. But yeah, that's, that's not, not <laughs> how we want to put this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand the but connotation of the word, but I don't know exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, that's kind of what you do. You you put something or somebody down. Usually, it's somebody, um, but that's kind of what you mean, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And it's also just such a strong thing to pull someone down. So whenever you bring up, oh, this looks like Hitler, then the discussion is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is one. There's one internet law, Godwin's law, that eventually someone, eventually someone will eventually make a comparison to Hitler, which is then okay. At that point, the argument is basically finished. Um, 
So usually, let's let's hope the argument finishes with that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's very interesting. It's a very interesting topic, which is why I decided to bring it up today. And and glad that you mentioned that you are from Italy because it actually leads us to our first song, to our our second song of today. Um, our second song is actually going to be Bella Ciao, uh, the song sung by the Pars- by the Partisans in Italy. So yeah, enjoy. Alla mattina Appena alzata Oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao Alla mattina Appena alzata Irisaia mi toccamba gli insetti e le zanzare oh bella ciao bella ciao bella ciao 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 e fra gli insetti e le zanzare un duro lavoro mi tocca Mamma mia, oh che tormento, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 oh, mamma mia, oh che tormento, io ti invoco ogni That was Bella Ciao, as performed by Giovanni Marini and a choir of other singers whom I forgot to put in my list of people. But yeah, we were mentioning while we were listening to it how this song is often 
butchered by a lot of different people, right, Elena? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember now the name of the DJ that uh, did this, but there was some EDM DJ that did the remix of this song, and I saw the video was like on YouTube had money falling down on, on the screen, you know, and it was really again not what the song is about. And I, I always think those poor partisans are turning in their graves and the ones that are still alive i feel even worse for you know <laughs> i don't know and then there's carnival yeah they also use this song a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot <laughs> but just a reminder that this song is a partisan song is an anti-fascist song and it should remain an anthem for that yes not not for throwing money around no <laughs> definitely not definitely not um, but yeah, back to the subject. We're, so the subject, we're going to actually talk more about what exactly fascism is, because you mentioned before how it kind of has been used a lot to describe a lot of different things. And yeah, I don't, how, how, how do you think, is it, do you think it is something that is possible to define in any way? Um, I personally think it is very hard. And I also feel like probably here we're not going to settle a debate that a lot of scholars themselves can do, especially because the origin of fascism uh, finds itself in conflict also with other fascist group in itself, also to how, how to define yourself and how it should look like. Um, so in that sense, uh, I'm not certain. But uh, I think as Ardono said, that's just because um, there's like little theory behind fascism does not mean, though, that we should not take it seriously. Um, but yeah, that's a problem. It, it has a lack of theory and therefore can be defined in a lot of multiple ways. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, because I, mean, I, I think of fascism, I think of, of course, the Nazis, I think of Mussolini, I think of uh, maybe perhaps Rwanda during the genocide. And, but they are all, of course, very different, very different political groups, very different situations. But of course, they're so different. So, but they all did similar things, and so maybe do you think it would be better to maybe to think about how think about fascism in terms of what it does, in terms as opposed to necessarily what fascism is? Maybe I think that's yeah. Yeah, yeah I think. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. I was um, just reminded of a conversation we had a while ago where we talked about um, how it's also kind of a spectrum. It's not like if you are A, B, C, and D, then that is fascism. And if there's anything else to it or uh, anything about that not to it, then it's not, right? It's not that specific. Yeah. I think it's also like, because I think that's not similar to like racism in that sense, because yeah. I think it's not necessarily as productive to think, oh, this person, to accuse a person of being racist as opposed to thinking, okay, what about the actions that they are taking add to racism or contribute to it? Yeah. Yeah, also, um, I lost my thought, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay, that happens. <laughs> that happened to me last week, we went to a song because of it. <laughs> um, we were talking about how it's more of a spectrum. The sorry, what did you say beforehand again? Um, like, oh, um, whether the f I think also like, uh, which also like, um, I don't remember where I read it, but the Dutch writer said this, is that there's a danger in looking at fascism only in its extremities. But you should consider also like the building steps, how it got there, because this otherwise we miss out on what we're seeing kind of right under our noses right now. 
Uh, because that's the problem is that when people say, or when people, when you accuse someone of fascist ideology, ideology, they will immediately jump, yeah, but you don't see concentration camps here or something like this. But this is kind of a fallacy in thinking. And additionally, also to what you said, um, Hannah Arendt actually, she said this, there were like fact checkers um, who tried to uh, disprove uh, Nazi ideology back in the 30s by saying, by stating, okay, what you're saying is is factually wrong and they tried to spread that out but what she said the big fallacy here too and why this doesn't work and which I kind of also see in modern day as well is that when uh, a Nazi says um, the Jews uh, were responsible for Germany losing the first world war it's not about fact it's about intent and um, what essentially they want to do with it so that's the thing with fascism it's uh, kind of like about kind of the actions that you're undertaking and this is also what we have to see here is that if for example Thierry Baudet or like, or like uh, Wilders or Trump or whomever says something and um, it's, it's, it's not like correct or something like this you can always for example um, let's do the whole debacle of uh, Wilders saying do we want more or less Moroccans in the Netherlands and the crowd screaming yes 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 and then people saying yeah but you did that and uh, Wilders basically saying no but I didn't say yes I just posed the question you can fact check to him whatever you want about what happened there it doesn't matter because it's about the intent of what he's saying and the intent behind that is we need less Muslim, we need less um, Moroccans in the Netherlands and I think this is important when you look at uh, the language that's being used and why fact-checking tends to not work. I mean, you have to still do it, of course. I'm not like saying you don't have to fact-check anything, but it's not going to solve the problem. You know, that's, Anna, that's actually something specifically that I wanted to actually bring up in the next segment, actually, like that specific point that you made. No, no need to apologize. It's just really amazing. Like we were just thinking on the same thing. Um, but yeah, um, so me, I, I wanted to bring up um, one essay that uh, this one uh, Italian person who actually was there during uh, the Second World War, Umberto Eco, he actually wrote an essay called Ur Fascism, um, or, uh, or being like a prefix meaning proto or like, uh, like, like, yeah, basically proto and fascism being fascism. And so like what the different, and so he like aligned 14 features of fascism that, you know, a fascist, a fascist Idea, a fascist group could n does not necessarily have to have all of these things, but he said, it, but like any one of these things could add cause these things to accumulate. Um, so like one of those was like a certain cult of tradition that a lot of these, a lot of these fascist groups tend to have an ideology of looking backwards to some time in the past where things were great and now things are no longer great, and so and so we have to go back to this tradition. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, there's also a rejection of modernism. Um, and there's also, a, and also yeah, one thing you very much, very importantly and aligns is a idea of taking action just for action's sake without even thinking about it. Uh, he actually has the line that thinking is emasculation. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, of, and another thing that comes out of that is the fact, is the idea of disagreement being treason. You know, it, yeah, it just, if you disagree with this, that means that, you know, that means you're probably siding with the enemy in some way. Um, and there's actually another thinker who actually wrote a book uh, called How Fascism, Fascism Works, this thinker, Jason Stanley. He aligns fascism as like the most telling symptom of fascism uh, being separating a population into an us and a them. There's very much like the emblem of division between people. I and think that's very, very recognizable. Like There's so many politicians <laughs> right now, but also in history that are popping up in my mind now. Uh, because you recognize these signals uh, and it's like you just said it's these 
signals of before it gets to that extreme that you also need to recognize and take an account of what is actually happening. And I think the strongest one in this, if I hear this whole story that you just told us here, or what the book describes, is that making some somebody the enemy or something, if we talk about certain beliefs or it can be races or it can be gender or whatever it is, but there's something that if you are that or if you are okay with that existing, you are the enemy and we're gonna fight you. It's really that that vibe that you get, right? Yes, exactly. And there's actually something, another point that uh, I have spent a, had a long discussion with our another another student radio member Sachit on this yesterday about a lot of times fascisms they kind of feed on an economic anxiety and mm. so there so which is also something that um, whether the Uckle Alliance that they often appeal to social or economic frustration there's always a, an appeal to like a frustrated middle class that feels wronged by this enemy in some way. Yeah, yeah, what you see about like fascism in uh, the Netherlands, at least, is that there's always this talk of the end of the Western world, it's the end of the Netherlands, it's the end of Western Europe, things like this. And then you have to figure out, okay, who do we blame for this? And whether it's the Jews, whether it's foreigners, whether it's refugees, it's kind of like we said, this othering. Yeah. And, um, God, I'm sorry, I don't remember a lot of things, but I don't remember who this said, but someone said basically that <laughs> um, the problem with, with the fascism is that it's a poison. It's a poison that slowly injects you and it just feeds and like it becomes stronger and stronger and the more you see it the more you focus on it the worse it gets like the more you see oh the world is ending the more you notice these things that frustrate you and it just grows and grows and um what also people said that formerly used to be part of like these fascist groups uh in the netherlands um before and during the second world war as they said you have to like depoison yourself it's not a process that just like immediately happens and this is also the thing it's like it's it's in your head and i think therefore it's also very important that we should not only focus on like who are the leaders who are spearheading this but also why are people being affected by this and um because of course if you get rid of one leader you get the next one already kind of stepping up like you're gonna have this continuous like we had pim for time after pim for time came here at wilders and now we're looking at thierry baudet um they're gonna keep coming um what is also interesting is that I think it was also Adorno who uh, created like this list of like um, who are like what what characteristics do ha have people who are susceptible to uh, these kind of ideologies and what he noticed also in his research is that there is no um, specific um, difference whether you're like higher educated or lower educated and I think this is also important to keep in mind what we saw with the Forum for Democracy like the Young Forum for Democracy the Forum for Democracy Youth is that a lot of them were students but they still had this way of thinking so that we should not only um, because we tend to only look at a certain part of the population at this but yeah, we have to like look at the lower at the class spectrum. uneducated people that will fall for this but that's not how the whole process works right yeah. because also, what I what I hear in this is that it do, it's not just. I mean, coming back to the fact checking, it's not about that. It's about more of an emotional, mental development, which starts very slow with, you know, dreams and beliefs and building up our country and building up our culture, and it's it always starts with that. Yeah, exactly. And then at some point, after a few years, you look back and you're like, huh? How did we get here? <laughs> like, how did we get into hating people, fighting people? Um, yeah, where did that process end? Yeah, exactly. It just, you know, it just puts us into some big spider's web of just hurt. Yeah, oh, that is beautiful, Zaki. That also happens to be the title of our next song. Exactly. Uh, from <laughs> Katie Malloa, Spider's Web. Yeah, I chose this song because I love it 
so much. Um, obviously, she sings it beautifully, but also because it very much describes that there is more than just the black and the white in in this case of spider's web. But I think that also goes for the world. Exactly, there's, we just can't. It's a gray area. We cannot keep looking for this division. racist is it okay if it's a white man's racism that made him that way cause the bullies the victim they say by some sense they're all the same cause the
Yes. <laughs> In your mind, sound like a million colors in your mind. That was Katie Malua, Spider's Web. Uh, welcome back on our show. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht here at RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. And we're talking about fascism and everything around it. Bit of a complicated topic today that you chose, Zaki. Yeah, it is really complicated, uh, but, but very, it's important. Yeah, very important to talk to. And uh, we're trying to make it less complicated. So we covered some some parts of it as well. Um, yeah, the the process of how it gets there, how something starts with an ideology and wanting to make your country or your world or whatever a better place, but then things kind of go downhill from there and you end up in a fascist group, maybe, if you don't watch out for it. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I find has happened quite a lot in the United States. I mean, mm. there's been, a, a, I find that on, particularly online, there's been a large group of people who have just been slowly drawn into what, it, what people are calling the alt-right, but it's basically like neo-fascism in some way. Um, and they're drawn in a lot of times just through things like YouTube videos, watching recommended videos on YouTube. Like they start, like they might start watching something by like PewDiePie or something, and then they and and then the recommended video is something by Jordan Peterson or then Stephen Stephen Molyneux, and then all of a sudden, oh, now you're just basically in alt right territory. Damn YouTube, that algorithm again. <laughs> And also exactly. Facebook groups, I guess. Like the thing in the Netherlands, what you see is that there's these Facebook groups where people just keep af affirming their biases that they have over and over and over again, um, which is dangerous, I would say, um, whether it's about Corona or anything else. And again, of course, Corona, I feel, made a lot of it worse. But yeah, yeah. all the information is online now. Uh, so how do you guys think that this grows if we if we talk about that like how does a movement like this where do, how does it start and how come that it ends where it where we have seen it end i mean helena you're from italy you had quite a part <laughs> of fascism there in your history <laughs> just just for for the listeners everyone in the studio turned towards me i feel <laughs> very put on the spot now but um i don't know i i think Step one is normalization, and that's what happens when uh, big uh, like politicians and stuff are constantly, you know, uh, blurting out hate uh, where everyone can see it, and it, it becomes this normal thing. Because hmm. I think that's the that's the first step, you know, because from there, then uh, it doesn't seem so radical anymore to be a fascist because this is already like put acceptable it's kind of politically correct you know <laughs> to be so hateful yeah, and there's somebody so, fighting for that ideology on like that high level of society yeah and even if it's not like that specific ideology let's take trump i, I mean i may think he's a fascist but like he's not like uh, officially of a fascist party you know so mm -hmm. it's kind of like uh for a lot of republicans for example i don't know who maybe wouldn't be so extreme to see uh, the leader of the Republican Party say this uh, really normal, then, you know, yeah, it can go really fast from there to, from zero to 100. I mean, yeah, I mean, one of Trump's aides, Stephen Miller, I think is way, 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 way worse than Trump. I mean, like he was literally caught in November last year, uh, emails were leaked where he was basically sharing links to articles from, from explicitly white supremacist organizations and watch white supremacist websites and you know these that's are tactic yeah it's unfortunate um but i think that's really why it's really important to remember that there is a paradox of tolerance in a truly tolerant a truly tolerant society has to be intolerant of 
to- intolerant of intolerance. Otherwise, the intolerance grows and eats everything. Yeah, and also, like coming back to that, uh, what both of you said, Helena and Saki, it. Let's just say that not everybody that might, if we talk about politics, not everybody that might vote on somebody that has fascist ideas is a fascist themselves. What I see a lot happening in politics is that people vote for something, but they have a completely different idea of what they are voting for, which happens a lot in politics, in in debates, in, in the TV shows on you know watching youtube things that we talk politicians talk so much and they can say a lot of good things and then do other things than what they say they're going to do or talk around it in the next debate and at some point you see that people completely lose track of where where this is actually going yes i think that's and that brings back to actually to what you were saying before i think a lot of the this is that a lot of these people they end up speaking in dog whistles which are basically these little messages that people say for example in the united states people often say states rights which is basically a dog whistle for the state should have the right to decide who they discriminate against they're not saying that they're saying states rights yeah but because but and it's it's something that like the people who understand what it means they understand what it means and they're going to spread it and also people who do not understand what it means are also going to spread this thing because it sounds nice yeah. and that's what's unfortunate about dog whistles you have you it's if you don't really know what it means you're not going to hear it and it happens very quickly in politics because i mean who who can keep track of everything that's been said right exactly 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 yeah it's also speaking like for example in the demonization of because i think one of the i'm not sure if it's like in your list of 14 but like something that very often comes back in a definition of um fascism is that you basically your your ideology is the right one and everyone else is just extremely wrong whether you're left or right just you're wrong essentially and the way to demonize that is always like in, in interesting ways and a lot of words that people sometimes don't even understand but they'll repeat it like postmodern uh, marxism um words that essentially if you de- deconstruct them do not make that much sense but it sounds nice so you use that forever to lump everything like whether it's feminist whether it's like anti-colonialist or anything like this you just lump it together and it's evil and then you put a big word on it and people will just copy that uh, even without actually understanding what it means that it reminds like me of a, of a quote from the movie thank you for smoking and the dad tells his son explaining how you win a debate and he says I don't have to be right as long as I can prove that you are wrong and then I'll win the debate yeah let's go into a song and then continue this conversation uh, what's our next song Zaki yeah our next song is uh, by Linton Kwesi Johnson I actually chose this song because we have Kwesi shout out to Kwesi um, the song is called fight them back All right. I hope you all enjoy Ah, 
Yes, this was Fight Them Back by Linton Kwesi Johnson. You listen to Student Radio Maastricht. This is Zaki here in the studio with Helena Tatinka on tech and Anna, hey. our guest. Yeah, right now we're going to just, just switch the direction of the discussion a little bit and talk a little bit about Antifa because it's something that like people often have a lot of ideas about it. Um, yeah, I find that people often when they hear Antifa, they often think of the black bloc, which is like the people at protests who are dressed in all black and sometimes being destructive, but mostly just, you know, counteracting whatever fascist group is also at pro- at a protest. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily what it is. What's your perspective on it? Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of think that, because uh, you very often see like these Facebook posts where it's like, I got this screenshot from the leader of Antifa that shows that these protesters are paid or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people very often use the Antifa narrative to very much break down actual conversations that are happening or to minimize an entire protest um, and its message to something completely else, whether it's like paid protesting or they're just out there for violence or let's, let's you know, like as if there's some kind of Antifa headquarters, stuff like this. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a dangerous narrative, I feel as well, so because it breaks down a lot of the communication that you're trying to have. For example, let's take the Black Lives Matter movement. The bare minimum that people are asking for is listen to black voices and people couldn't even do that because they were too busy trying to tear down people based on assumptions such as, oh, it's Antifa, this and that. So there's this weird scare for it and I don't think people are doing it intentionally. 
but it is very dangerous. Yeah, I, it seems like the crux of what you're saying is that Antifa is not an organization, it's just, you know, anti-fascist whatever, basically. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to interject, but I, that's what I always uh, thought, you know, like, I don't know, when I always thought Antifa, it was just like a short for anti-fascist because anti-fascist is quite long to say every time. So you say Antifa and that's just like the anti-fascist movement, you know, it's just it's just a, a, a way of being, you know, like, I don't know. And then I, don't, I think this year was the first time that someone actually approached me and was like, oh, you know, it's like this uh, terrorist organization in the U.S., you know? And I was like, since when are the U.S. even, are they even taking fascism from from us now? Even that? Really? I sure hope so. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I don't know. I think, well, it could be sent into space, you know? But you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, it didn't originate in the U.S. this year, just so people know the anti-fascist movement has been going on. I would say since 1933. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, Around that time. Yeah. <laughs> but on the subject of the Black Bloc, do you think that violence against fascism, like taking violent action against fascism is justifiable? Because, I mean, I'm personally, I'm a pacifist, but I also do believe in self, in self-preservation and, you know, self-defense and things that way. But what do you think about this? I don't know if like because I I could like also know that I would also brisk snap like a twig so I would never be one of those people in the black block necessarily, but I'm also not necessarily mad at them either. That's just me. The, this, is, this, is the, this is the opinions of Zaki Hagens. The views and opinions of Zaki Hagens are not the views and opinions expressed. The views and opinions expressed by Zaki Hagens are not the views and opinions of Student Radio Maastricht or RTV Maastricht. Just saying. Fair enough. <laughs> I, to be honest, um, because this was not something that's been on my mind a lot since um, this is not something that I've dealt with a lot in the Netherlands. Um, the only time that we've really ever encountered like violence when it comes to protesting was during the um, the, the KZP protest, um, like about a month ago, with the actors, the people that throw the beer cans, all this kind of stuff. Fireworks. In that case, if there was a group fighting back. Um, I feel like a little bit weird about it because I f when I looked at those egg throwers, when I looked at those people, I saw the definition of undemocratic, essentially. And um, while they were arguing with us, saying that we were ruining their culture, I personally saw our tradition being ruined of democracy and free speech and the the myth that we like to talk <laughs> tell ourselves about tolerance. So in this case, I've become a bit wary about saying that like using violence as protests is like like warranted at any time uh, but at the same time I do understand the hesitance to fully rely yourself on the police for protection because uh, as seen also in the Netherlands during the Kalsape protests years ago when they even arrested um, the the leader well leader like um, person high up Jerry Afria um, like the police at that time could not be trusted for this job and so the question is, if the police is not doing it, then who's doing this? And in that case, I can kind of understand the position of having like a black block or people that would use violence in these situations. Would I, however, condone attacking someone who's not attacking you for expressing their opinion? Of course not. Less so, yeah. Yeah. I still live yeah. in, in a world where I hope that we can solve everything without violence. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hope for I don't know. the I'm future. A, I'm a pretty radical person but like in the end I definitely I, I do agree with Anne in the sense that uh, yeah I think it depends on the, on the situation yeah. like there are some situations in which 
like the state will not listen or will not help and then i think it's uh, you know yeah justified like to intervene you know oh. so it's like yeah that's what the french revolution showed us yeah exactly i mean <laughs> i don't know <laughs> from my perspective i remember like i remember like when there were a lot of photos happening in the united states earlier this year there were like there was like a photo of one policeman who literally had like tattoos that were very 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 reminiscent of nazi tattoos so like there's a police officer and so would i necessarily trust him to keep me safe not necessarily so but ultimately there's a lot of things that fall under the umbrella of anti-fascist action so yeah let's listen to some music yeah this is now good night alt right by stray from the path That was Good Night Alt Right by Stray from the Path. Good night. <laughs> Clear <laughs> message. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we don't, we don't, like it ended with Nazi punks fuck off, which ultimately is a statement that I agree with very strongly. So, yeah. On the subject, you know, what can we do to stop fascism from growing? You know, Anna, what do you think? Because it, it's a really complicated issue, of course. 
It's a very complicated issue and the fact that it keeps coming back means that we might not have the most effective answers. However, Germany has seen some good results in terms of having effective actions that meant that more or less people voted um, AfD. So um, I feel like these are kind of the directions that we can look at. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I feel like also what, for example, happened in Maastricht a few weeks ago shows that this is not a time to be silent about your political opinion or to think, ah, I'm not a political person anyways, or to um, basically say, oh, yeah, I'm so tired of the discussion, so I don't want to get involved or something like this. It's like at this time we need people to stand up and say like, oh, I am against this. I am. Uh, I see a problem here and we should do something about it. Um, because we do need proactiveness to show that um, f like it's, it's not winning, that, that, it sh that it's not winning here in the Netherlands. Um, so, um, like, show up for protests, do, do, do actions yourself, scratch off some stickers, make your own stickers, um, maybe talk with your neighbors about certain issues, have outward focused action, um, see how you can evolve the local community and things. But also, I think we have to look at this on a, from a political level because we can see here in the Netherlands that you can say that a lot of left parties um, have lost their sight on the working class here, uh, or at least that's how the working class feels, and therefore you should have effective campaigns that have people kind of reconnect again back to um, to, to more left-leaning parties, or at least have them not vote for Forum for Democratie and uh, PVV. Uh, if I can just like promote an action, the 414 campaign could be very effective in this, raising the minimum wage to 14 euros to have people um, to increase the quality of life from working class families, um, things like that. Essentially, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's something that I've definitely that's a pattern that I've also noticed definitely in the United States as well, where the mainstream Democratic Party has been really, really alienating the working class, and now there is now a bit of a more progressive wing, what with AOC and Bernie Sanders who have been gaining a lot of popularity, but the main Democratic Party just did not have that footing and which really just led the vote to go to Trump in 2016. Um, and yeah, I think that's really what the solution is, is to, you know, because I think that fascism is ultimately a reaction to that economic disenfranchisement. So we have to address that in order to stop it from arising again. Yeah, and also, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, you can go ahead. That's it. And also, like, I feel like, at least in the Netherlands, what kind of contributes in some ways is certain political, uh, sorry, certain historical ignorance. Um, I feel like a good, proper education of history um, to Dutch people would lead to at least better discussions about... Um, like what our current uh, society looks like and why it looks like this. Mm. Um, because for example, in history books, we don't we, we refer to the colonialist era as the golden age. Um, you barely hear anything about all the bad things that are attached to this. And additionally, if you look at our history of fascism in the Netherlands, it's not discussed in history books. We talk about the rise of um, fascism in Germany. We talk about the German invasion. We talk about liberation. Uh, but we don't talk about how fascism itself had grown in the Netherlands, but additionally also, for example, when we talk about, we do talk sometimes about resistance heroes, but when we talk about resistance heroes, um, do they know that, um, for example, oh my God, I'm gonna quickly... <laughs> yeah, we have to uh, go into a cultural agenda as well, but I do oh, so very sorry. much agree with the point of at least speaking for Dutch history, that there's a lot to win there in our education. 
uh, Helena. I also, I also wanted, to, I also wanted to to make a final remark. It's just because, like, I think just to go back to the to the economic differences in our in our society that are leading to this uh, rise. You know, is just like remember that you know the outside is not the responsible one for your misery. You know, so yeah, because. I think a lot of people <clears throat> nowadays also look at I don't know maybe uh, countries like China or other countries whose economy is rising and they see them as the other that they have to fight and keep on protecting their own nation and this is not what brought you to this situation right now I just want to remind you you know the Chinese were not uh, behind you know the 2008 crash or things like that so yeah and even within <laughs> the own country, if you look at the Netherlands, um, people like to say, oh, because refugees did not take, uh, like refugees are not responsible for your lower income. You have to look at politics and you have to look at the capitalist system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you said it. I wanted to say it's capitalism. Capitalism is the problem and that's Elena, Next my show. opinion. <laughs> We're going to do a show about capitalism. <laughs> All right, so Key, you have a cultural agenda for us. Yes, I do. Um, so on the 9th of December from 2 to 4 o'clock, ACMUS is going to be hosting a spoken word poetry workup, workshop. Um, it's going to be by Shanti Lewis, a Dutch poet. And yeah, I can find more, int more information on their Facebook page. Um, in addition to that, uh, Katinka also has study buddies. Yes, I do. Every Monday in week from 4 till 8 at uh, Master Services in Kerenweek, Hoogbrekstraat. And on Thursdays now I started at the Statenkwartier, also at the Master Services in Care. But more info you can find on Facebook or in Activity. I put them in there. So if you need support, mental support, want to meet people again in a safe space, come to the study buddies. We love Activity and study buddies. Uh, in addition to that, SRM also has some new podcasts coming out. Um, we have mostly we, we have uh, one and one we're doing in collaboration with the Refugee Project. Um, one that we're also doing that I'm going to be editing this week um, um, uh, that we're doing in collaboration with Maras. And we also have on Friday our Mose Musica. Yes, and there's a podcast coming up about underground music. Oh yes, yes, yes. So stay tuned and keep an eye on our channels, Facebook, Instagram, and SoundCloud, especially that's where all the radio shows you can listen them back, but also where you can find all the podcasts and everything uh, we share on there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there is. Uh, oh, you can. There's oh. gonna be um, in reaction to what happened in Maastricht a month ago. There will be a protest probably coming up on the 12th or the 13th of December. Uh, information will soon follow uh, against a racism in the Netherlands, against right-wing extremism, and of course against fascism. So if you feel driven by what we spoke about today, please show up and show your support. Awesome. Also, you mentioned before uh, the Right for Rights happening on the 10th of December. It's uh, for the, it's already started now. Uh, go on the Amnesty website and see what petitions you can sign and what letters you can write. Uh, a letter can change someone's life. Amnesty, a organization. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Our last song is Frank de Bijen, Zwart Wit, which yeah, is a Dutch song, our Dutch song for today. And it says, don't think black, don't think white, but think in the colors of your heart. So yeah. on that note, <laughs> let's end the show. Wow, what a beautiful uh, Ending, sentence. yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Was de straat op weg naar het plein? Een taxi, er is te laat, er is voorbij.